Hi, I'm Trip Babbitt, host of the Deming Institute podcast. In this episode of Deming Speaks, Dr. Deming tells us why picking the best people or parts in the world won't give you the best company or product. Also, Dr. Deming outlines how to conduct negotiations, how to use the loss function, and the importance of understanding variation. Manager begets cooperation between the players as a system. Every player to support the others. And a conductor is great because he accomplishes that aim. Teaching them how to support the other, 139. How do, you, how do you distinguish one orchestra from another? Better players? No. No, that's not it. The way they work together. Sure, you need good players. Yeah, but the difference between one orchestra and another is not in the players. It's the way they support each other. Will we ever learn? Does Russell Acoff pointed out years ago, you could assemble all the best parts for an automobile, the best of everything, never mind where it was made, pay no attention to the price tag, buy it, get the best of everything, try to put it together, do not have an automobile, it would not run, you would not be guilty of owning it. The parts don't work together. They do not form a system. They're good parts, best in the world. The man named Hank, Hank Carabelli in Michigan Bell, be nice if you could know him, pointed out, you could have the best of everybody in your company, best designer, Best engineer of this or that kind, best product engineer, best manufacturing engineer, everybody the best. No question about it. All the way through, everybody the best. Go right down the tube. It's the way they work together that is important. How do they work together? How do they support each other? We saw at the end of chapter three, those tables prepared by Dr. Baker. A component doing his best. Maybe destruction of the company. And a component the component may take a loss to itself in order to support the company. And in the end, that component that took the loss comes out ahead. Take that travel department. They thought, the manager of the travel department thought that his job was to save money. Can you blame him? Well, that was his job. Put the traveler down there at destination, physically unfit for the job. That was not his business. His job was to save money. Can you blame him for doing it? Problem was the management did not understand the system. Would be better for the travel department not to get the cheapest rates, 
but to see their job, to put the traveler down at destination, physically fit for the job. I didn't say squander money. I didn't say squander money. No. Put the traveler down there physically fit for the job. Sure cost money. Then everybody would win. And in the end, the travel department would win. Because the company would win. The company would be ahead. Everybody could get a raise in pay. The obligation of any component is to contribute its best to the system, to the system, not to maximize its own production, not to maximize its own profit or sales, nor any other competitive measure. Some components, again now, this is about the seventh time, may operate at a loss to themselves in order to optimize the whole system including the components that take a loss. Everybody wins. To understand the system, you have to understand there'll be negotiation. People have to learn how to work together. Basis for negotiation, paid 12. Optimization for everyone concerned in a system should be the basis for negotiation between any two people, between divisions, between union and management, between competitors, between countries, certainly you should add, between customer and supplier, certainly. Everybody would gain. The possibility of optimization is voided. If one party goes into negotiation with the avowed aim to defend his rights, or if he sets out with demands and stands firm on them with a time limit for consent, that's not negotiation. That'll fail. And of course, negotiation will fail if one party drops out to follow a path of selfish reward. You lose, everybody lose. Let's think of the loss function on page 14. The loss function. It'll come down to a minimum. We'll make contact with the minimum. The loss function will at the bottom be a curve of second degree of parabola at the bottom. It may be symmetrical, usually is not. Symmetrical or not, at the bottom it will be a parabola. It will make contact with the horizontal tangent, the minimum. That contact will be close for some distance above and left and right from the point of contact. A good example, I like it, came from, comes from Mr. Pete Jessup, who was with the Ford Company many years. Let's suppose that we could measure the output of this rune 
in dollars per hour, we have an output. So that we could measure it in dollars per hour. We could imagine we're all making something with our hands. And uh, all together we have a combined output. We can measure it in dollars per hour. There would be a maximum, a, a best temperature for this room. A temperature at which our output is maximum. It might not be the best for any one body, but best for all of us as we work together. Now, that best temperature means minimum loss. Now we may move to the left or right a degree or two. Our output suffers such a small amount that we could not measure the loss. This horizontal minimum and the curve makes such tight contact. You can move left or right a little, little cooler, a little warmer, no effect, no measurable effect on our output. Yeah, but move six, seven, eight degrees to the left, we begin to shiver. Our work suffers. Or move six, seven, eight degrees to the right, we begin to swelter. Our work suffers. There's loss, measurable amount. Now, how much should we spend on air conditioning? Let me try to draw it. Here's the curve, loss curve. The minimum is here. We may move some distance right and left from the optimum. Suffer such a small amount of loss we could not measure the loss. For practical purposes, curve and tangent the horizontal line are coincident for a little distance. You have it move out here further and you suffer substantial loss. And Dr. Taguchi called it loss to society. Everybody pays. This was, I think, one of the great contributions from Dr. Taguchi. He read his paper in September. 1960, I was there, lost to society. We all pay. On any failure, we all help to pay. The burden falls heavily, heaviest on some people, sure. But we all pay. Any inefficiency, we all pay. We all help to pay. Lost to society. How much should we spend on air conditioning? How much would we have to spend to hold the temperature of this room within two degrees, plus or minus, from the optimum. Maybe quite a lot of money. What would be the loss if you moved out, say, four degrees from the optimum here into there, stayed within those limits? Be a tiny bit of loss. I mean, it would not be at optimum all the time. The fluctuation in temperature, how much should we spend for air conditioning? We need to know the loss function. And one of the management's job is to know that loss function, evaluate it. Exactly? No. Costs are always approximate. 
crude, but they'll be good enough. What characteristic, what characteristic is most in need of attention? Work on that one first. Conquer that one, then take the next one. Means comparison between loss functions. is pretty important stuff for management. An actual loss function appears in my book, Sample Design and Business Research, Drawn to Scale, page 294. Shows we only need to come close to optimum allocation of the sample. Very close is as good as best. Now, if we go too far, then you suffer considerable loss. Some knowledge about variation. Psychologists could not understand psychology of people without knowledge of variation. People are different. That's not ranking them, but taking account of their differences, different abilities, different aspirations, different qualities. That's not ranking them. No, that's not ranking them. That's trying to give people a chance. Variation will always be between people, in output, in service, in product. What is the variation trying to tell us about a product and about the people that work in it? Variation. Here's an, an example, another one. My friend, Mr. Hero Hackaboard now living in Madison, sent a six-year-old girl to school. Little girl came back, came home one day, a few weeks later, with a note from the teacher, <coughs> a note to the parents. The teacher had given two tests thus far, and this little girl was below average in both tests. Think of it, below average in both tests. I had the teacher write it, trying to help the parents, to help the child. There were 32 in the class. The teacher wrote 32 notes. Mr. Hackaboard knew that this note meant nothing. Be below average in both tests. Indicates nothing, whatever. Other parents received the same note. They were worried. He tried to tell them that this note means nothing, forget it. They'd like to believe him, but dared not. Other parents received a note, your little boy was above average in both tests. Genius coming up, your little boy was below average on the first test, ascended. He's above average in the second. Genius coming up. Or your little boy was above average in the first test, is sinking below average in the second test. Teacher only doing her best. Only doing her best. You know what? <clears throat> that half the, those pupils were below average and half above? Exactly? Pretty close on either test, one in four would be below average 
in both tests. One in four would be above average in the second test. One in four would be above and then below. One in four would be below and then above. Exactly, pretty close. So what? Yes, so what? Here's what. The little girl learned about it. But she was below average in both tests. That news affected her adversely. They had to put her into remedial education, or they did put her into remedial education. And she recovered. What if she had not recovered? A life lost. How many little children should have gone to remedial education and did not? Nobody knows. Think of the harm done by a teacher doing her best. Just doing her best. Should a teacher understand variation a little bit? A little bit? What do you think? Is variation difficult? Nonsense. Is that difficult? No. That's not difficult. People can learn about variation from an early age. I could show you. Dr. Tom Nolan lives in Washington. Came over one day to see me about something. Brought with him a chart that little Patrick had made, his boy. Patrick, 11. Time of arrival of the school bus. Time of arrival of school bus. Let's put date on the horizontal. 0800 at this point. 0830 here. Little Patrick had plotted points. He observed, kept a record. Time of arrival of the school bus. The points went like this. Indicating a stable system for a while. And then came a point like that, way up, out of line. He had marked it. New driver. New driver. Eleven years old. Recognizing a stable system and a special cause that came along. Then it looked stable for quite a long time. Then the point went up here. Way late. Door closer out of order. He had marked it himself. Learning variation at 11 years old. Learning the difference between common causes of variation and special causes. Is that difficult? <coughs> Little Patrick did it at age 11. <coughs> Pretty simple, isn't it? <coughs> Couldn't we not teach variation at early age, say 11? Prepare people for life. My friend, Professor Harold Hotelling, asked this question, how could anybody consider himself in possession of a liberal education, know nothing about variation? 
pretty good question. Should anybody should know something about variation? The people are different, and we could learn that there are special causes and common causes. But then we could manage. Then we could measure manage our own lives, and the people in the company could manage their company better. Thank you for listening to the Deming Institute podcast. Stay updated on the latest blogs, podcasts, programs, and other activities at Deming.org.